0: Hi, hi, hi. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the visual workplace. Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm so happy to invite you to come in for our conversation about the visual workplace. Every week we talk about some aspect of that, about how to make the workplace speak, how to embed our intelligence into the operational landscape of work, into that dynamic living landscape. Our intelligence about how to do things, what to do, where to do it, how many, how much, who does it, all of our questions are answered in a sense permanently and in place, ready to respond to us, ready for us to pull that information to us when and as we need it, just as we do on the roadways. We're driving along. We're finding our way and the road is helping us not just get where we're going but get there safely. The road will even help us slow down if we don't see that road sign that says slow down, children playing, slow down 15 miles an hour, slow down, school district. There'll be these lovely um, speed bumps right in the roadway. And I go sailing over the first one, but I get the message and my behavior changes. Even though a speed bump, I don't see it coming. It's not exactly visual. I feel it. And that sensory experience changes my behavior. What would it be like if our factories and hospitals and offices, our retail stores, our open pit mines, our cleaners, the dry cleaners, What of all the places where work happens, either because we work there or we're receiving services and products as customers, what would it be like if the workplace spoke and became our partner in that experience? What would it be like? What would it be like if it were like our roadways that we've learned to depend on, to depend on and build our economy, our national economy around? Because the roads are so responsive to our need. Our need to know, our need to share. We feel safe there. We feel in control. Hmm? What would it be like if our workplaces were like that? Well, that's what this show is about. That's what workplace visuality is about. I've been doing this now. I think I'm in my 32nd year. Could be 33rd. For heaven's sake, some of you who are listening are not even that old. But... I've been doing this for a very long time, and I tell you, it's a gift that just keeps giving. It's given me so many gifts. I feel so privileged. And you'll have that experience as well. Once you learn the system of thinking, which we're going to be talking quite a bit about today when we look at the visual machine, once you learn this, I think, very logical, very practical system of thinking, you will begin to enjoy the visual world, the world around you. And you'll be able to bring that understanding to the workplace. And for heaven's sakes, you'll notice when it's not there. You'll notice the lack of visuality. Right now, many of us are simply working and struggling. And we think that that is work. We think that's part of going to work. It's one of the unhappy parts of going to work. But we've kind of come to expect it. But it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. You become a visual thinker. And you will notice the information deficits that are undermining you. And you will replace them with an information-loaded device that's called a visual device. You'll do one, you'll do ten, you'll do twenty, you'll do a hundred. You'll do a hundred just in your area. And others will be inspired by your, the result of your thinking. Okay. So that's what this show is about, and I'm really glad you joined us. I am supposed to be in England today, I think in Cambridge, uh, doing a seminar on visual leadership. That has been postponed until January, January the 21st and 22nd, and then I'm scheduled to do Visual Machine. I was supposed to be there next week. I'm going to be there on January the 27th at the Glenn plant or one of the Grant's whiskey uh, plants these distilleries, these beautiful beautiful work environments to make the machine speak so we're still going to do it but it's been postponed, Scotland is very busy right now um, getting ready for the holidays and focused on getting all of those good Christmas spirits in a bottle out (laughs) they're famous for that and we hope they enjoy themselves and keep safe along the way so I have an announcement, and I'm so thrilled. I want to just jump up and down, but I'm just. But instead, I'm going to say, "Ta-da, ta-da!" <laughs> the new our new website will be functioning by this evening, visualworkplace.com our new website, we have really worked very hard. I know I'm not supposed to do this. I've been told by my editor, Aurelia Navarro, that I should not give personal shout-outs, but I have to give a shout-out to Aurelia Navarro and to Cindy, she's my editor, and to Cindy Linden, who is our VP of uh, communications and marketing, and to the great, the incomparable Horatio Fairburn, who has worked so hard. He's the tech, our techie manager, and i tell you, he has worked so hard. I think he's learned a lot, but he's delivered. He's delivered on this very complex event of not only launching a new website, creating and launching a new website, and I'm going to give one more shout out in a moment to the folks who have helped us so much. But uh, he has also worked very closely with me to get our webinars up on a new delivery platform that will be uh, available through our website. 80 modules. Currently, we only have seven, but we're working on it. (laughs) Seven modules, learning how to do this, that are beautifully on demand, online, on demand. You can get them right off of the website. You buy them for a year. They're very, very affordable. You can buy them in little pieces. Right now, there's seven. Soon, there'll be 11, and then they'll multiply. We have the Work That Makes Sense Suite almost up entirely. Pokiok will be up by the end of December. The 10 Doorways, An Overview for Management, The Visual Machine, and on and on. Visual Leadership, all the stuff I've been talking about, will be available as on-demand webinars, and we think the quality is really, really good. And it will be affordable. And we'll put samples on YouTube, so you can see what's on the inside. But this is a thrill for me, and I want to uh, give a very special shout out to Sherry Collins and Rupert. Rupert, I'm sorry, I don't know your last name. You're just Rupert. The folks over at um, Stellar Active, the website company, that have a beautiful way of setting up a website and then allowing us to maintain ourselves, helping us only on the special things. They've been incredible. And uh, I will send every bit of business I can their way because they deliver. They treat us as though we're their only customer. Do you know what that feels like? It feels like we have our own IT department developing our own website. They're incredible. I, I'm just so so glad that we found each other. So, let me uh, now move on. (laughs) It must be the Christmas spirit that is taking over my brain. (laughs) So, we are in the process of taking a short interlude from our visual leadership series, which will resume in January, to talk about some other things. Uh, It's because I thought I was going to be away, and I didn't want to talk about the X-type matrix in non-sequential pieces because I have to run an encore when the time zones don't work. That means a a repeat program. But here I am home, and so I've decided for the next two weeks, maybe even three, uh, that we will talk about the visual machine, because I was going to do so anyway in Scotland. So, wisely postponed. The visual machine, let the machine Speak. What a wonderful opportunity to reduce lead time, improve quality, reduce risk, improve your overall equipment effectiveness, OEE, the effectiveness of the machine. Make the machine visual. Fantastic idea. But for the most part, I will tell you while visuality is a part of what's called total productive maintenance. And something called autonomous maintenance, which is a way of getting the operator directly involved in maintaining the machine, keeping it going, not the serious repairs that we reserve for our maintenance staff, but, you know, small things, listening to the machine, watching the machine, looking for leaks, keeping it kind of going the way we keep our cars going. We don't go far enough on visual. In fact, what mostly happens is we paste on some stickers some pre-bought stickers, and we color code on the machine, and we call that visual. And we're very proud of ourselves. And you should be proud, but you should know that you've put one foot upon the path. It's not over, and uh, it's not yet visual. It's only, uh, you know, the, the movement in the right direction has begun. Or maybe we mimic stickers and color coding from another factory, and we feel that we've achieved something. You have achieved something, but not enough. As with most companies starting on the journey to a visual workplace or to a visual machine, the main thing that is missing is not the visuality or the understanding that visual is important, but what is missing is a framework of thinking, of how do we think about the machine in order to make it speak. The lack is not the absence of The possibility of an array of visual solutions to choose from, but the absence of the principles and practices, principles and practices that have sufficient depth that we can create visual solutions of our own that far surpass, far exceed any any cookie cutter device we may have copied. It is the thinking that matters as always. And if there is anything that I teach, it is a system of thinking. There has been tremendous thought focused on the machine. We'll talk about the six big losses. It's a framework that came to us from Japan. It's very, very useful. Tremendous way of um, getting more capability, more utilization out of your machine. But the focus on visual as an equal partner to that, has been almost absent. I will also say the work of Bob Williamson. He's done a book called Visual Systems. We were supposed to write a book together about 25 years ago. I wasn't quite ready. I think I might be now. But he's done some very good work, and I recommend that for um, kind of the basics of a machine. But what I want to invite you to consider is learning the thinking that will allow you to go further, further, further and discover the true voice of the machine. So we'll pick this up after the break. I can hardly wait.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas and listeners to help you anywhere in the world global reach is broadcast every thursday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america business channel the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
0: Welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. We're in our second segment of our show today at the visual workplace, and we are focused on the visual machine. We're going to set up a foundation this week in our discussion. Next week, we will probably uh, get more, many more devices discussed than we can fit in today. But this, and we'll also be talking about visual lubrication, the whole lubrication process and some things for you to consider. Today we're focused on setting up a foundation and that foundation has to do with shifting your thinking away from the devices, away from an array of solutions and thinking of it as a system. And it's a system of thinking first. I'll I'll walk you through some principles. It's a system of thinking and that creates a system of visual devices that actually talk to each other. They talk to each other on a single machine, the various components. But they also talk to a bank of machines. They talk amongst themselves. <laughs> and they talk to different departments. They talk to material handlers. The machine speaks. Or you can, think of, you can think of the visual machine. The opposite of the visual machine is a mute machine or even a blind machine. And when a machine is blind, bad things happen. Bad things happen to splendid equipment that don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. we have to see through we have to have that machine transparency that informational transparency but let's begin conventionally the way that people do when they consider machinery and how to make it more effective the six big losses so I want to walk you through this so that you know that it's available to you and you can find this on Google online Uh, it is not the... um, Graphic that we uh, featured this week, we showed you some examples instead that we featured this week uh, in the uh, the Visual Thinker newsletter. Cindy puts together a Visual Thinker newsletter each week. It's wonderful, full of pictures, and I write an article every week. Um, but we used uh, some nice examples of. Um, machine and area around the machine. There's a couple of examples there that I think are pretty stunning. Uh, But we didn't use the six big losses. You'll be able to find it on Google. Just look up machine, six big losses, you'll have it there. So this is the classic approach, and let me just walk you through it. It's a very handy construct, and it came to us about three, four decades ago from Japan, And basically lays out the equivalent of the seven deadly wastes that we use on the production floor for operations, lays it out for the machine specifically. Okay, so think of the total available equipment operating time. That's 100%. And see that as a bar in your mind's eye. A yellow bar crossing can be any color, but I'm going to say yellow so that you get a vivid example. And that represents 100% of your machine, uh, machine's available operating time. It's 100%. Now subtract from that 30% for downtime losses. Big chunk comes out. 30% comes out for downtime, downtime losses. And what I mean by that is equipment failures... And setup adjustments. That means when you change over, it's going to take you some part of that lost 30%. Setup and setup adjustments, I should say it that way. The changeover process. Big bite. The remaining operating time then is 70%. And this is broad strokes. This may not be your machine, but let's say, though I hesitate to use the phrase, on average. On average, you're going to lose 30% to equipment failures and to setup and the adjustments of that setup. Now we have 70% less left. We have 70% left. And now we're going to drop out another 20%, 20% for speed losses. That means two things, idling and minor stoppages and reduced speed. Speed losses, two contributors, idling and minor stoppages and reduced speed. We just lost another 20%. We have 50% remaining. Out of the original 100%, you now have 50%, but you know what? It ain't over yet. We have another kind of loss. Another 15% comes out of that remaining 50% for defect losses for defects in process defects that are made in the process and also reduced overall reduced yield those two factors takes another 15% and that means the actual operating time <laughs> that most machines have that have not gone through a process of reoptimization or restoration or examination total productive maintenance, or visual, is 35%. Your actual operating time, on average, is 35%. You have this beautiful piece of equipment that's cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars or several million, as you know. And you get 35% opportunity. We're not talking about the causes of the losses as much as the categories of the losses the causes are very interesting as well So I'm going to name the six big losses number one equipment failures number two losses due to setup changeover and the adjustments number three idling and minor stoppages will take another bite out coupled with that reduce speed that's number four reduced speed number five defects in process and number six Reduced yield. So those are the six big losses. And what this is, is an organizing framework for us to understand what's going on in the machine and how things connect together. And these kinds of organizing frameworks, we call them models or even paradigms, are tremendously valuable for us to observe examine and understand seemingly random events you know it's like having your first baby the baby is crying why is the baby crying is the baby dying what's wrong and we get to know somebody has organized a framework and it'll be baby is crying because diaper is wet baby might be hungry Baby might be, uh, something might be leaning on, it might be pinching. Baby might be sick, might be sick, but it might be only the diaper. It helps us as parents. We're in total panic. Oh my God, my baby. Poor defenseless thing I'm in charge of. You know what? You spend $2 million on a machine, you're going to pay attention. It's your new baby. (laughs) If we look closer at those losses if we look for cause we will notice something else and we will need a framework to continue noticing that and that's the framework I want to present to you we discover that some of these losses are directly related to missing information or flip the coin and say the need for visuality visuality is the solution Missing information is the cause, but to get there, we have to take first steps. We have to prepare, and I want to walk you through two initial steps, which I know that you know about. But I want to organize this so that we don't, uh, so that we turn over all the rocks, because I think some of you will take this quite seriously and begin. So when we look at the losses, we've only got thirty-five percent operating time. Let's do something about it and let's make an impact on that visually. There's a lot of things that your maintenance department can and will do to reduce those losses, but what can you do and what can visuality do? So I'm now going to present to you the two preparation steps. These two steps actually, they don't go like one, two. They go more like one, one. You can do them in parallel. Parallel. There's no need to do them sequentially because they're two different uh, orders of activity. One has to do with cleaning, the other has to do with naming. So, step one is to clean the machine. And that means get rid of the clutter so you can approach the machine and clean it. Greasy machines will never be able to tell you what is leaking and where the grease comes from if grease is everywhere the goop on the floor now we know that there is a break it's going to continue leaking we're not talking about repairing it unless it's really easy we're talking about cleaning it so we can see that's one purpose and the second purpose is cleaning it so that we can put things on the machine that makes it speak you will never get any visual solutions to stick on greasy grimy dusty surfaces so that that has to go And while you're cleaning, and this is very important, and this, I think, makes it very interesting, while you're cleaning the machine, and I could be talking to maintenance staff now, I could be talking to operators, depending on your union situation and how you set up your machine event, while you're cleaning, look for ways to reduce the need for cleaning. I'm not saying repair the machine, although that could happen as soon as you discover, oh, look at where this leak is coming from, but... Minimum, look for ways to reduce the need for cleaning. Look for dirt prevention devices. Make that part of the cleaning. Because when we do, we're thinking. We're not just hands and feet. We're thinking, how can I reduce this? How can I reduce the cleaning? And these are usually jury rigged. As long as you don't compromise safety, you can put something together. An empty tuna fish can for an oil leak. This was a breakthrough at a particular GM plant somebody said I think I'll put an empty tuna fish can under this oil leak and empty the tuna fish can it worked a side of cardboard to keep chips from flying everywhere easy you know safety first but you know what If you can contain those chips flying by breaking up a box do that so you don't have to clean so far a plexiglass shield to keep the coolant contained plexiglass is a little pricey but you know your maintenance department might have it you put two little handles on it you put it in place brenda did this i remember her doing this at denison hydraulics many years ago and it really it allowed her to look at something else instead of always cleaning up the coolant and watching her step and putting down those little piggies those little piggies that soak up so much stuff the OEE Bible tells us that after we clean the machine, we must restore it to its original condition. Wow. Well, this will certainly help in solving what ails any ailing machine. The original condition is a very refined state, but it is also a long time in coming and sometimes very costly, certainly in terms of time and replacement parts and the like. I'm not advocating for that lofty outcome here, original condition. You don't need that in order to go visual. It's nice, but you can do some things right away. You may and you can and you should. Okay? Don't let the lofty goal keep you from early victories, early and very practical victories. So we're sliding into our next break, and I will be here when you get back. I can hardly wait. Thank you.
1: Welcome to the unique job search community of Lynn Radice Live! You do have the power to land the perfect job. If you are unemployed or underemployed or looking for your next career move, tune in to Lynn Radice Live. Get a job, no excuses. This is a first-of-its-kind job empowerment show. Lynn will identify the most critical needs in today's job market and show you how you can get a top position today. Get ready. Let's get hired. Lynn Radice Live airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
0: Hi, welcome back. Welcome back. We're now in the third part of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We're focused on the visual machine. This will be the first of two, maybe three, of our uh, shows on this very rich and uh, compelling topic, how to make the machine speak, how to give the machine eyes. How to listen to the machine. Right before the break, we were talking about the first of two parallel steps that must be done before we can get visual. Just must be done. You have to get rid of the clutter around the machine and clean it. Clean it and focus on finding dirt prevention devices so you don't have to clean so much. We're not restoring things to an original condition. We are simply Getting the machine ready so that we can notice its behavior. If it's leaking, for example, the existing grease and grime won't get in the way. But also so that we can ha- we have surfaces on which we can apply visual devices. Because it will be applied to the machine. Most of the devices will be sight devices. Focusing on sight. And I mentioned it the other week. of the brain's resources are dedicated to identifying and interpreting vision-based information. 50% of our brain is focused on that information, on sight information. So it's very dominant. So it'll be sight-based. There's some other things we can do, interesting things. We'll get to that probably next week. So step one is get rid of the clutter, clean the machine. And step one is also the second step that can be done, not in sequence but in parallel, is naming. Identifying a common nomenclature, common names for the parts of the machine, standard names, as it were. And I am going to advise you to start this process with one machine. I call it the A cycle. It's the cycle where we learn how to learn where we learn how the thinking works. We learn what gets in our way, perhaps, in terms of the workplace. Hey, we can't get these supplies. We need them. Uh, we need this information from whatever, and we've got to create a better system of communication just in our own, uh, with our own uh, colleagues so that we can do the work of getting the machine visual, work out a relationship with maintenance, whatever get your supplies handy, set up your carts, do an A-cycle. So find a machine, a single machine, and work this through. And if you're a trainer and you're listening to me, do it with one machine. It'll add another three weeks or a month to your process, but you're going to learn so much. Don't, don't, and, and do it with operators and maintenance staff, of course, but choose your machine wisely. If you're familiar with my tool, the laminated map, use a laminated map. Do your A cycle, learn how to do this, and then when you do your B cycle, your C, your D, you're going to be able to pick up speed because the machine's going to teach you. And the process is going to teach you. Okay, step two, naming. You need to know the name of things. Not it's not, it, hey, it's over there by the whatchamacallit machine, but it's over there by the CNC27B. But more than just naming the machine itself you have to name its sections its components and it's very easy to do so you make a diagram of the machine you and a couple of buddies whether you're maintenance or operators i prefer it not to be managers people who are using the machine and have a memo pad apiece my famous tool the memo pad and individually solo Go around and name each part of the machine. What do you call the loading platform? What do you call those doors that open? Are they called doors? Are they called sliders? Don't talk. Just make a note. Compile your own list. Mm -hmm. And then confab with your colleagues. Have a powwow. Collect the names that you use for each section and then I mean, because sometimes the simplest section of doors are sliders, the hatch, I've heard it called many things. See how many names you have. Okay, Or you can do this. You can post a diagram, that diagram on a board and ask everyone who uses the machine, including support staff, to put their favorite name for the various parts. Just tape it on there on a post-it. Okay? And, and just see how many names are uh, accumulate. And don't let this be dictated by a special team. I'll tell you why in a moment, or by your boss, your boss will decide. It seems easier, but you know what you have in this simple exercise. You have an opportunity to let people participate inclusively on something that's very simple. something that, something that does not have an emotional charge. You can get people to participate, especially if you are just beginning your empowerment efforts, giving people a voice. Don't let this be announced. You know, let people know, hey, over there on this machine, uh, the team is coming up with a set of standard names. We're going to be doing that ourselves for our machine. We're going to work through that process ourselves. And then narrow it down. And now this will have to, this takes a set of people to narrow it down. Narrow the range of names if you have many. And narrow it down, narrow narrow it down. Don't think of this as inefficient. You are at the start of a long journey. And how you do that matters. How you conduct yourselves matters. How you treat people matters. So treat people nice. If you do, they'll go down the path with you. Treat them hard or ignore them and you'll be walking down that path alone wondering why people are so uncooperative. We're supposed to be engaged in improvement and you're not, you know, you're not coming along with me. Well, it's because they don't like you. That's why. You weren't nice to them. You treated them hard. We all have this lesson to learn. We all want the task to be done, but we have to respect the process especially at the beginning of the journey. I have a million stories to tell you from my own experience about how hard the learning of this is. But I also will tell you, it's one of the greatest lessons of my life. And I learn it, you know, practically every week. Yesterday, there was a little something I regretted. You learn to say I'm sorry and mean it, because you are sorry. But here you have a chance to do something very simple. Just get some names in order, and people will cooperate and they'll like you because you make them you know what, feel respected because you're respecting them okay so the beauty part is that the decision is not a discharged issue you just get everyone nodding, happiness follows everyone will have a say without much of a risk that the collective response will have a negative consequence, no it won't, we're just naming things, share that decision making Open the door. Let people have a say. The reward is incalculable. Mm-hmm. It's low-level thinking, but it's still respect. Okay. I remember one long cabling machine. It had 13 components, but only three of those names, three out of the 13, needed any discussion. The rest were all called commonly. There was the take-up, but that was sometimes called the winder or the upreel. And then there was the dancer, the cat, the hose, the operator control panel. That was another challenge. Was, that was the second challenge, sometimes confused with the master electrical panel because people called them both the panel. So we got that sorted. And everything went smoothly. Ah, yes, the mist controller was the third, sometimes called the mister, sometimes called the mist controller. So that was ultimately called the mister because that was easy. And there was the BX machine. That was the main body, the pad cradle, the counter, the payoff reel, reel B, and reel C. Thirteen components. Easy peasy. And those are the first two steps. Get that done. You're going to feel good about yourselves. You're going to feel good about other people. It'll be a resounding success because there's no failure in cleaning or dirt prevention. There's no failure in naming. And now you're ready to get visual. And now the visual methodology kicks in. And when you reach this point, you have to think about thinking. Thinking about how to make the machine speak. Think about that. What is the system of thought that will allow me to see the waste that sticks to a machine, even though it's running, producing, adding value, making things? What is the system of thought that will allow me to see? How do we see through the machine running? And spot the motion. Moving without working. Spot that motion. How do we use motion as a lever? Because that is what we have to do. And that's what we do with other parts of the workplace that we make visual. We use motion as a lever. And we know that if we know motion, if we see the motion, we're going to just back up a little bit and find a missing answer. Mm -hmm. These are the principles of thinking, which I'm going to line up for you into uh, six principles in a moment. What are the principles of thinking that will allow me to stand face-to-face with a machine and discover the machine's unanswered questions? It's information deficits. How do I give the, the machine a voice to speak? I'm talking about visual thinking, as you've probably guessed by now. <laughs> Apply the principles and practices of visual thinking, and the machine will cough up its secrets, its troubles, its woes, and the machine will share them with you in happy anticipation that you will help to make them go away. <laughs> It's very personal. We'll get to that when you come back and when I come back. Let's have our third break, and then we'll see what happens next. See you in a minute.
1: Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. This is the last part of our show today. And I hope you don't think that I'm a a slowpoke, uh, that I'm not getting to the devices. It isn't my way to do that. It is my way to have a conversation with you. It is my way to share what I know. And to illustrate as much as I can to make it interesting. (laughs) I say this especially because of what I'm about to say. (laughs) What I'm about to say. But we'll get through it all. We've got three shows that we can do before Christmas. And if you don't get to it because you've got a busy Christmas week, you know, you can get the podcast and um, download it. We're starting a new podcast system also. Hope you like it. We'll see. All right. So... But everything is fine right now, just as usual. So we were talking just before the break about getting the machine to cough up its secrets, its troubles. I think I also use the word woes and share them with you. You know, it's very personal. (laughs) It's very personal for the machine. It wants to be helped. It wants to be saved. It wants to make a contribution, an improved contribution. Now, you may find this way of talking a bit far-fetched or far, far far-fetched, but some of us don't. The notion of the machine as, well, uh, sentient, you know, a being, not a thing. Well, if you've ever run with the maintenance guys, men and women, you will recognize that my way of talking is just another way of saying what they already say and what they know. And I'm going to quote now. I've been collecting these quotes for a decade. I'm going to give you four. Here's what I've heard maintenance people say, and sometimes muttering expletives These machines are alive. Usually, these darn machines are alive. <laughs> Number one, they have a mind of their own. <laughs> Maintenance people, I know you're not laughing, but I know you're nodding. Or how about this one? Direct quote. Don't bother me right now. I'm busy negotiating with this machine to see if I can convince it to tell me what's wrong. (laughs) Isn't that great? Oh, would you please repeat that? (laughs) Don't bother me. Or my favorite. That machine just talked back to me. I swear. That machine just talked back to me. This was in 2002 in a cable making plant in Lawrence, Kansas, and the machine in question was a Banbury, and it was a big one. They only come in one size big. This great, huge, complex machine. It just talked back to me, <laughs> and on and on. Have you heard maintenance people talk like this? (laughs) You know that they more than half mean it. They get really up close and personal with these machines. (laughs) That darn CNC is as fussy as my wife, I once heard. At least it didn't talk back. (laughs) So let's talk about the principles, the core principles of visual thinking that I have found relate very nicely to the machine. They're going to sound familiar, but I have them in a slightly different order because of the kind of constraints around the machine. Principle one, visuality is an eye-driven process. Principle two, visuality is an eye-driven outcome. Principle three, motion is the lever. Principle four, motion is, this is a principle. Motion, moving without working, is triggered by missing information. Principle five, to tell merely by looking. You see, we just shifted into visual. The rest was diagnostic. Principle five, to tell merely by looking. Principle six, to tell the difference merely by looking. Two different principles. We just got visual. So, pick a machine. You've already cleaned it. You've named it. The stamping press, the CNC, the winding machine, pick a machine. One with a pleasant, friendly personality, if you can, since you're going to be together for a while. <laughs> and have your me- memo pad handy and apply the first principle. Visuality is an eye driven process. The principle is operationalized through the two driving questions. Do you remember what they are? Eye driven questions, the two questions that drive a visual workplace. What do I need to know? What do I need to share? This principle, principle one, visuality is an eye-driven process, is very tightly connected with principle two. Visuality is an eye-driven outcome. So we're saying that eye-driven not only shows us how to apply visuality, but it also gives us the outcome, what we get as a result. Here is where we bring in need-to-know, need-to-share. What do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work? What do I need to share that others need to know that I need to share in order for them to do their work more safely, more completely, better quality, more quickly? And here's the thing with the machine. We have to determine who the I is. Because a machine is used by many, many, shall we call them stakeholders, or we can call them eyes, we have to name the eye. Your car, for example, it's a visual machine full of devices. We counted about, oh, it was about 10 years ago, We we took an inventory on my Honda. We counted 144 devices. But when we looked closer at those devices, we saw that they divided into three chunks. Devices for me, for the driver, the operator, so I could drive the car, Devices for me to maintain my car routinely and visual devices for the repair guys in the service department when I had a real problem. AAA included. Boy, they saved me the other day. I was on my way to the movies and the darn battery was dead. They came along, sold me a new battery, (laughs) but I needed one. (laughs) Now go back to the workplace who is the eye that you're going to focus on related to the machine to begin with one of them is you and begin there if you're the operator then recognize there's also another eye maintenance don't worry about them now another eye is going to be your boss and the boss's boss don't worry about them now recognize you have to you have, to have a system of thinking and a system of applying that thinking. Otherwise, you'll get uh, uh, lost in the swamp of possibilities. You want to keep this very clean. So just use you as an eye. Later on, you can invite maintenance to come in with their eyes or you can take on the role of maintenance and say what would maintenance need to know depending on, you know, production availability and demand same with your boss invite the customer of the information in boss what do you want to know from this machine we're doing this as an a cycle and we are specifically avoiding the cookie cutter applications that other plants are using or that you see in books do this for your a cycle please don't mimic anything do the thinking part And you'll come up with something very close to what's in the book, what's at the other factory. This is not rocket science. The rocket science comes in by following the system of thought, the system of thinking. That's where the precision comes from. If you learn that, you can take, you know, this is the famous Bible quote. This is learning how to fish. Learning how to think visually has endless possibilities. And maybe you've learned that already by turning the area around the machine visual. That's always the better way to do it. We'll talk about that some more next week. But if you haven't, use the machine as your as your primer, as your laboratory, as your sandbox. Regrettably, we have come to the end of our show. There were some other things that I wanted to share with you today, but hmm, look at all of that. Hmm. I'm going to have to wait. So we'll pick this up next week, and uh, it'll be interesting. We still have some things to say about iDriven. We have a great, great many things to say, but then we'll we'll get visual. I'll tell you about devices, and we might push off the lubrication uh, show on uh, visual lubrication to the third show just before Christmas, just before the holidays. I had a wonderful time with you today. I am so glad you're out there listening, because if you weren't, I couldn't be talking. And sharing this great gift that I've been given with you. Thank you very much. Uh, This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off.
1: We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.